Welcome to Larpenter Life, the podcast about HP St. Paul in the 80s and 90s. I'm your host, Dave Carey. I said yes and went home and asked my wife, and she said that's north and cold. He was going to a show with our prototype, and he said, I'm going to need 100,000 of these in about three weeks. And I went, oh, yeah, we can do that. And I went back and told the rest, and he goes, we have to call Singapore. And I'm looking out the door, and there's a cop and a dog with a gun drawn. This is episode 11, and today's guest is Joe Axemaker. You can reach me at larpenderlife at gmail.com. And now here's my discussion with Joe. Hi, Joe. Welcome to Larpenter Life. My pleasure. I've... uh... Listen to several, actually all of the, uh, and they're they're all fantastic. It's fun to listen to. So, uh, as you know, I I always like to ask people, how and when did you first get connected to HP? You know, I've noticed um, a lot of DeVry content in in the employees that you've already interviewed, and I was a DeVry student down in Chicago, and my brother-in-law was actually a year ahead of me in valedictorian and he uh obviously got hired right out of school into hp and i always admired the company knew a lot about him obviously a devries and electronic institute and in, in those days and so we knew a lot about hp and i really wanted to get to be part of that but i was not the caliber of student as my brother-in-law so i took a little circuitous path and i worked for a distributor of electronic components i actually worked for hallmark electronics in my in milwaukee my sales rep was naresh gandhi and naresh gandhi knew i was leaving hallmark in milwaukee and heading east to my hometown area back in pennsylvania and he said hey i just accepted a district manager's position up in in minnesota would you be willing to uh, consider a position up there as a sales rep? And I, I said yes and went home and asked my wife. And she said, that's north and cold. And she said, we're not doing that. And I go, yeah, but this is HP. And so that's what started it. And then I interviewed down in Chicago. And as everybody else has mentioned in some of the blogs, it was the gauntlet interview style, you know, eight different people. And Dan Ruggieri was the regional manager down there at the time. And Frank Magnifico was was uh, Narisha's boss, and um, I remember going out to uh, to uh, lunch with the, with the group, and they were watching me very carefully. And the, the first thing they wanted to know is, uh, do you want anything to drink? And I I thought about that for about a nanosecond. I said, Ah, oh, some iced tea. Uh, how's that? <laughs> <laughs> but the interviews obviously went well, and the next thing you know, I'm working for HP and moving out of Milwaukee to Minnesota and. You know, everything's history from there. I'm still here. So, Joe, I know you've worked through a lot of different um, roles at, at HP. Um, can you kind of walk me through that a little bit, That some of the um, product categories that you've worked with? Yeah, I can. And, and I think one of the interesting things and one of the things I really enjoyed once I got inside the company is that, you know, HP is the umbrella and underneath that umbrella is extraordinary opportunities. You can work for 
multiple divisions, multiple disciplines, multiple product categories. I started in components and, um, you know, I was, you know, in several district manager interview positions. And, you know, at that point I was starting to get a little disenchanted, but uh, Dave Eggham uh, was part of a group called the POEM program. And he needed somebody that understood component selling. And uh, he said, you mind coming over here and taking a look at this? And I said, yeah, sure. I'll be, uh, that sounds exciting. So that led into selling, you know, disc drives and tape drives and, you know, our actual touchscreen uh, monitors to, you know, original equipment manufacturers that buried that in their product. And so that was a natural fit for me. And um, so I ran over there and did that for several years. Actually, um, I was selling the first products that we put into the channel, our Unix workstations, which was just a disaster on the get-go. Um, I could have been leaning on one and I wouldn't have known it and I'm selling them. Right. And so I, um, I had two jobs at that time. So I had the POEM program and then this workstation program and Kevin Marshall was over in the service side. And I said, Hey, Kevin, um, I got two jobs and I have to pick one. I know which one I want. Do you want the other one? So that's what got him over into the sales side of HP. So he took the workstation thing and, you know, that first couple of years he kept, uh, swearing at me every time he saw me and said, you know, <laughs> get me into, you know, but he uh, obviously parlayed that into a very successful career at HP. And so, but that was the HP way, you know, you took care of people and you looked out for people. And, you know, I got through that peripherals OEM program and um, moved over then into the, um, well, at that time, the storage business was was focusing more on the PC side of things. The, the, and so Mike Harris and I kind of developed this regional position. So um, Doug Taylor was the region manager at that time. And so we became area storage or area specialists. And I think Mike was doing networks and something else. And I ended up doing you know, storage, uh, aftermarket attached storage. And then that ramped into selling just printers. I ended up in the printer division. From there, I went into selling printers only. And then I specialized in managed print services. And that's how I left the company. That's amazing, Joe. Uh, you know, it's, it's really fun for me to do this because I talk to some people who have had you know, one or two jobs their entire career with, with HP. And then there's somebody like you who seems to have changed uh, not just what you did, but what product lines you serviced and the people you called on, the types of customers you had. Uh, you certainly had a, a lot of um, diversity of, of customers. Do you remember some interesting, you know, interactions with customers? Oh boy, I can tell you. Um, I lost a very, very large deal going to a client once a month for almost a year. And I lost the deal because I never carried a tape major with me. And I was selling backup storage to a very large customer, uh, terabytes. We we're talking terabytes before, before terabytes were cool. And I lost it for about four inches of room space. And, uh, that was one I that hurt me terribly, but uh, learned a valuable lesson. You know, I mean, 
you, you think racks and things are all standard, but four inches was four inches and they couldn't break out a wall to make my solution fit. You know, one of the, one of the deals that I had the most fun was a little company down in Mankato called Johnson fishing. And, um, they had a young engineer who was an ME and he wanted to revolutionize the trolling motor world. And his idea was to put a, um, a battery indicator in the trolling motor head so that you didn't have to take your battery up to the, the house every night or charge it. And I said, oh, I got just the thing for you. And I had this little LED display that was, you know, divided into four. And so he said, yeah, they're all perfect. And um, I remember he was going to a show with our prototype and he said, I'm going to need a hundred thousand of these in about three weeks. And I went, Oh yeah, we can do that. And I went back and told the rest and he goes, we have to call Singapore. And I go, why Singapore? Well, that's where they make them. Well, 100,000 was what they made in a whole year. So uh, wow. we kind of put production into a little bit of a tiz. And then we said we needed their entire year's production in a couple of weeks. And uh, we ended up getting the order and, and filling it. So uh, now, if anybody's a fisher person that listened to this, there's a little nighttime uh, fishing bobber called the Night Bobber, Night Bobby. I actually went down to Kansas City one time and was talking to an engineer down there. And he uh, he said, yeah, I want to make these bobbers that light up at night. He, you know, I was selling components, LEDs. And I said, oh, yeah, we can do that. So I sold him millions of LEDs. And he, and he would take these LEDs and give them to ladies in his church. And they would go home with a jig and bend them. And then he put them in this plastic thing with four batteries in it. And that, that was the story of the night body. So, you know, you, I could go on and on. I mean, it's just the satisfaction in seeing some of these things come to market and how they revolutionized their their areas uh, was just fascinating. That was that was just in the component side, you know. So, you obviously had a long career in, in sales, Joe. And so, is that the thing that I mean? You you've expressed a little bit about what you personally got out of it. I mean, everybody thinks of salespeople as, you know, yeah, you get commissions and things and that's how you earn your living. But there's, my experience is that salespeople get a lot of satisfaction out of solving a problem or bringing some solution to the customer. Is that what drove you or is there something else? I No, that's exactly what drove me. I remember when I first started at HP Nourish, um, or Sophie actually had to do, uh, you know, 10 things that, you know, rank these 10 things of importance to you. And it was salary and benefits and all that kind of stuff. And I remember salary being somewhere down the list, like five or six. And, and Narish called me into his office and said, you're a sales rep and you didn't really put compensation really very high. And I go, yeah, I'm not about that. I like to educate and, and help. And um, that's, to me, that's a true salesman. I'm, obviously the money is an incentive. And, um, but that was not top of mind to me. It was solving problems for the customer, making them successful. My, my whole thing was if they're successful, I'll be successful. And, um, it worked. I mean, it's what drove me through my entire career in sales. And I, I remember when I first graduated from DeVry, the first job I had in the interview, I was interviewing for bench tech in a lab and, um, Thank God the the marketing manager was one of the one of the key gauntlet guys, and 
He said, have you ever thought about sales? Because I really detested the lab. I mean, my lab partner did all the lab work. I wrote all the papers at DeVry. And I said, you got a job there? <laughs> he said, yeah, I do. I said, I'll take it. <laughs> so he pointed me in the direction. The rest is history. I, I loved it and stayed with it. And that's where I ended up retiring from HP in sales. <laughs> Individual contributor, best job in the company. So I know you traveled a ton, Joe, um, but do you, you know, if you think back to the 80s and 90s in the, in the office, do you remember much about, about the office and what went on there? Barb Stinnett, the day I walked into the company, she popped her head into the interview uh, with Sophie and said, hey, I'm Barb Stinnett. If you need anything, let me know. Glad to help. Turns out she was like only there about three months before me, but everybody was like that. You know, they're just, who are you? Yeah, I'm Joe. I'm, you know, thank God for name badges. And, you know, the culture was just phenomenal from that perspective. And, and, and by the way, if you picked up that phone, you owned it, right? And so you found somebody that was responsible for the phone call you just took and you worked with them until it got done. Right. And that was, uh, and that happened out of customers as well. I remember being down at a company and, you know, with Tana and I was calling on an engineer doing some component level work and the purchasing agent came out and he goes, who is the guy from HP here? And I, I'm, I'm looking around and it's just me. And I went, Oh boy, I don't even know who this guy is. And I raised my hand and he goes, you get in my office. I got to talk to you about some instrument stuff that's going on. It turns out Ken Murray had been in there and maybe didn't follow up with his commitment fast enough for this guy, but I ended up getting my butt handed to me and, I remember going back to the office, finding Ken Murray, who, who was more uh, difficult to find than I was. <laughs> and I said, Ken, you, you got a problem down there and I'm, I'm following you with this until it's done. But that was the HP way. I mean, whatever happened out in the field, uh, if you happen to be the person that they decided to challenge, you had to fix it. And, uh, and that was the beauty of that office. Everybody was joined together by that. Because we, we had a lot of common thing, common customers, just different roles in them, right? So, yeah, that's that's absolutely true. I remember being out at a customer once, uh, and a guy came in the in the room I was working with, and he said, "Hey, hey, come here! I got a problem with one of your fives. And I, it's one of my fives. I don't even know really what he's talking about, right? It took me a long time to figure out. It was a laser jet five problem. And I, you know, I had nothing to do with that part of the business at all. But as you said, there's an H and a P on your badge. So yep. that is now your problem. And, um, and that's what that was drilled into us. And I think it made us a very strong company. And I think it was a real differentiator uh, when you compared us to some other, some other uh, IT companies. Well, I remember a lot of our competitors outnumbered us 10 to 1 if you looked at it by the by the category of the discipline. But what they didn't understand is that we outnumbered them like, you know, maybe 20 to 1 because we had all those resources and talent in the office and extraordinary talent. I mean, lots and lots and lots of smart people. And I can remember sitting in many after work hour discussions with people throwing out ideas, you know, getting outside the box. Here's what I would do. And, you know, all the, all that was that culture um, we called HP, the HP way. You know, the other thing, Joe, that I, I remember about that time is that 
the whole, it's a little bit different now because I, you know, I just retired from, from HPE last November and, you know, the concept of people helping one, one another was still extraordinarily strong within HPE that I never saw that go away. What was different is when back in those days, when we had an actual physical office, we had, of course, infrastructure and especially people who weren't necessarily customer aligned. Um, but they were office managers and people around the office um, who were just there to try to help you get your job done. And um, that was something I thought was very, very beneficial. We did a lot of peculiar things on the component side. We did seminars all over the city, all over the state in, in clients. And, you know, I was one of those people that, you know, 24-7. So we uh, we concluded a seminar down in Winona, I think. We were coming home and it was late. It was like almost midnight. And, you know, I had to drop off the projector so that somebody else could have it for the next morning. And I remember going in and I didn't know it, but Roser had put in a security system. And and I get in and the thing starts blaring and I don't know the code. And, you know, I'm like, I got to just get the projector in the front auditorium. So I put it out in the front auditorium. And I came over by the side door in the garage and I hear this voice. This is Dave Rosary. It sounded like God coming over the thing. You have breached our who is in the building. And I'm like, oh, and I'm looking out the door and there's a cop and a dog with a gun drawn. And he wants ID. Well, I had to hand my ID in to get the projector. So I've got as a business card and I'm sliding that through the door and Roser's talking to me like God through the speaker system. And I'm just, I, I, I almost had to go home and change my underwear. It was just like the most frightening thing that ever happened to me. But Rose, Roser ran that office with an iron fist and, you know, he could hear me and he said, okay, I'm going to turn the alarm off. And I said, what about the cop and the dog? He goes, that's your problem. <laughs> so the cop bought it. You know, they were right across the parking lot. I was freaking out. It was not a great night for me. And the, and the, factory, the factory guy that was with me was sure we were going to get thrown in jail. You know, but I said, no, we'll be all right. But, uh, yeah, you know, little things like that made the world go around, right? You know, it's it's kind of funny how many of these interviews I've had that, um, have had the word jail in them. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was a great, great job, great career. Um, every time I retired, I got a job in the channel doing exactly what I did at HP. Um, there is life after HP, but if you leverage what you did at HP, you're going to be wildly successful. Um, you know, I built out managed print, print businesses at two very large corporate resellers, and they're still running strong in that business. That's a very, very big, still in demand, you know, um, solution for large companies. And um, it was, like I said, there's life after HP. And if you follow the path that you had in HP, you know, people will pay dearly for your expertise, no doubt. Yeah. So, so what I did at HP, I was able to parley in my my couple of little short retirement stints away, and you know, thankful to HP every day for that. So, Joe, before I let you go, um, certainly appreciate you spending some time with me. Uh, I'm sure everybody'd like to know where are you? Where are you these days? Where are you located? And what are you up to? Well, you know, um, 
I'm traveling. I, I don't think I'm in state, but three weeks out of every month until uh, December, I'll probably fill that. And then I've already got half of next year planned out uh, traveling around. Um, had an unfortunate experience. My wife passed away um, from pancreatic cancer. And that happened right on the cusp of the beginning of COVID. So between COVID and my wife passing and what have you, I've, it's been a dark year. 2020 can just disappear as far as I'm concerned. I, I've been trying to teach her dog uh, English for the past year. It's a pretty slow dog. I haven't even gotten a hello out of her yet. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, but uh, filling my time volunteering, I volunteer at uh, the airport. I volunteer at the local hospital here. I've been doing shot clinics, uh, a couple of those every week. Um, giving back, they they ended up doing um, the hospital shots back in December, and I none of the volunteers would come and help. And it takes a lot of volunteer work to get one of those shot clinics off the ground. And I said, "What the heck? I'll jump in." Kind of a gambling move because I figured if I go in there, I might get a shot early. I did December twenty first. <laughs> I mean, the day I walked in, the the VP of ops said, Hey, did you get your shot yet? And I go, I'm a volunteer. We probably aren't on the list for a while. And he goes, you're meeting our frontline people in red rooms, i.e. COVID rooms, get a shot. And I went, Oh, darn. Okay. So I volunteer for the, um, hearts and hammers. That's a group of people that show up and take a sad looking home and make it look really good lipstick on the pig. Um, I volunteer for the firearms safety program for the DNR, teach little kids gun safety. I'm on the Egan Airport Relations Commission, uh, so I get a lot of complaints about the airplanes flying over Egan, which is kind of interesting because we were right under an airport. Don't know where they want them to go, but um, so, but that that's a, a public service from my perspective. So I educate there. Um, other than that, not much. <laughs> <laughs> Got five five grandkids that I'm chasing around, so <laughs> it's, it's it's all good. So if I can summarize that, uh, you in your career worked all kinds of different things, a very diverse set of products and interests and and roles, and nothing has changed since your career in your in your personal life. You're doing all kinds of different things. That's pretty that's pretty amazing. Yeah, that's you know what it's all about what we started this whole thing out with, you know, it's all about helping people and educating and that's big on my list. So Joe, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Look forward to when we can uh, get a little reunion together. I appreciate that. And thank you very much for the invite and allowing me to tell my story. Thanks for listening. Larpenter Life is produced solely by me, Dave Carey. It's not affiliated or sponsored by HP in any way. Hey, I'd love to have you as a guest. Please send me an email at larpenderlife at gmail.com and we'll set up a time. Thanks. Until then, take care, everybody.